Hey, Seth. Wow, I picked this case because it sounds like a spy novel from beginning to end. And I'm already, if you're watching this on video, I'm going to put the criminal's pictures up here. Um, it's a couple in Annapolis, Maryland, a married couple in Annapolis, Maryland, a husband and a wife. She is a teacher at a local high school, and he is a naval engineer. So this case is about them stealing naval secrets and trying to sell them to a foreign country. But the foreign country isn't actually the foreign country. It ends up being the FBI. So that's why you will see in their pictures they're wearing orange jumpsuits. It's because they've been caught. So with that, let me go ahead and get into our usual case details, Seth. We got three, three main points to the technology. The first one is electronic nuclear submarine secrets. And what does that mean exactly? I can't tell you because they don't tell you exactly what it is in the court documents. Other than they say it's like design schematics and so forth. So if you want to imagine what they might look like, think of a PDF of technical information about naval submarines. That's what I imagined when I was going through this research. Our second piece of technology is going to be encryption. Now we're going to see encryption in two different spots here. We're going to see it with some files that are left on a SD card, which is just a type of a hard drive. And we also see encryption on email. So that's our third bullet point, which is ProtonMail, which is a specialized email that uses encryption inherently. So if Seth and I were to be on ProtonMail and I wanted to send him some skanky shit, I would, you know, put it in my email and I'd send it off just sort of like if it was like Gmail, but sort of behind the scenes, there is this encryption process that will encrypt your email. So then only Seth would see it. So if someone were to come in and scoop up that hard drive with that email on it, in theory, they shouldn't be able to see it unless they're Seth and they have Seth's information unencrypted. So those are the three things. It's the submarine technical information. It's the encryption. And it's also the encryption with ProtonMail. Yeah, thanks. So let's talk about the crimes here. So uh, briefly, there's a couple of crimes that were definitely listed. And then there's a couple of crimes that, frankly, I was surprised were not. So the ones that were definitely listed were uh, the theft of United States classified information. You can imagine uh, our, our nuclear submarines. Uh, how they're built and their design specifications are going to be highly confidential. Uh, and then, of course, the actual act of attempting to sell them. Although um, it sounds like here the only people who were buying were the, you know, the U.S. government, which we'll get into. What's interesting to me is what was not listed here. Um, basically, you have a couple of people here who are traitors to their country, right? Um, however you feel about this politically or whatever, if you're selling secrets that are confidential to our military, to a foreign government, or attempted to, that basically meets the definition of being a traitor. So there are crimes tied to that, including seditious conspiracy, insurrection, rebellion. Some of these have been cited during the January 6th riot, so they've been in the news lately. Uh, however you feel about it, I found it interesting that those were not listed specifically, probably because they pled to a lesser charge. Um, so Keith, tell us about our, uh, our traitorous couple here. Yeah, and we're just gonna call them the traitors from now on? Traitors, I'm, to that. Good, I'm good with that. Traitors? All right, sweet. So the Traders, they're a couple from Annapolis, Maryland. And if you haven't picked up on it already, this is where I live. So 
when this couple was busted, it was big news. It was the, the school that she teaches at is around the corner from my house. You know, the Naval Academy is only a few miles from my house. When Naval Nuclear Secrets were almost given away to a foreign country, that was a, is a big, big case around here. So she is a teacher at a local private school, and he is a naval engineer, and both of them reside in Annapolis, or used to reside in Annapolis before they were caught. And right now they reside in a prison. Um, yeah. Okay, so the victims. Uh, basically, you have, I would say, three, really. You have the United States Navy. You have the United States. And then I would argue the people who live in the United States. And the reason why I, I think the people are important is, obviously, our military exists to protect us. And if we're selling secrets on um, how to more easily defeat our, our naval uh, ships in warfare, that's a problem. And it gets to kind of the crux of why this case. Keith, you want to tell us why this case is specifically important to talk about? Yeah, I I can't tell you this point without sort of giving you information about the case. So this couple thought they were dealing with a foreign country and selling U.S. secrets to it, but they were actually dealing with the FBI. And the reason was this foreign country decided to do the right thing. And they said, Hey, FBI, this couple's contact or this, they didn't even know it was a couple this person on the internet is contacting us and saying that they have some nuclear secrets and trying to sell it to us. Here you go. And that whole process, first of all, just blows my mind. But second of all, it gives us a view into this whole crime. So while this couple thinks they're talking to a foreign nation and trying to sell the secrets, they're actually talking to the FBI, which then puts all that communication in court documents, which allows Seth and I to have an episode like this to talk to you about. <laughs> so with that, we hope you settle back and enjoy episode number 22, Spies and Naval Nuclear Secrets in Annapolis, Maryland. Hey, welcome back to E-Crime Bites, Season 1, Episode 12, Spies and Nuclear Secrets in Annapolis, Maryland. Seth, you want to set the stage for us with uh, the first thing that happened? I'm, I'm going to first go on record and say we don't have any updates or anything. This case is just crazy from the beginning, and yeah, we're just going to so, no, get right uh, into it. And I think <laughs> the first part of this case ultimately sets the stage for the whole case, right? And actually, as I was reading the notes on this case, I was getting so into the varied communications between our traders and essentially who was the U.S. government. They thought it was a foreign nation. Uh, a couple things here. One, we don't know who the foreign nation is. They're listed as country one in the court docs. Keith and I talked about this. We both took a guess of uh, who the foreign nation was. We had different answers for that. Um, and uh, a couple of key things will pop out. But essentially, it's Christmas time, 2020, uh, and the FBI receives a package. So a foreign country, the foreign country at issue here, provided the FBI with a package from un, from an unidentified individual. And with that package, there was a letter with instructions. So again, the instructions came from the individual, not from the foreign nation. So I'm going to pause on this for a second, Keith. I'm willing to bet you that the foreign nation clearly took a hard look at this and said, yeah, this isn't that great. I'm not sure it's worth getting into a war with the United States over this. Let's just turn this over. 
because there was a bit of a time gap here, a couple of time gaps here. But we'll come back. That, that's uh, a guess here. Maybe they just saw the package immediately and said, that's not how we roll. We're going to hand it right over to the U.S. government. I'm pretty sure the country wasn't uh, wasn't Mexico and wasn't Canada, our neighbors. I'm pretty sure it was probably one that we may have more of a of a caustic relationship with, but we don't know that. But anyway, the package had an SD card in it with instructions on how the country should respond using encrypted communications and additional documents. And in the letter, the individual stated that they wanted to sell Navy documents marked as confidential. I'm going to read the court words here because it's important. So in the letter, the sender, and again, when they're saying uh, singular, I think we can assume that both the married couple combined were working together, the traders, um, desired, say to the desire to sell documents containing U.S. Navy information marked as confidential. And that included printouts, digital media files containing technical details, operations manuals, and performance reports. So let me just pause on that. I work with several people who are former military law enforcement, and I'm pretty sure that they would be way more aghast than I even am having not served, just given the level of detail that potentially is available here. Quite scary. And the letter requested the transmission of the enclosed technical data to Country One's military intelligence agency. The sender wrote, I apologize for the poor translation into your language. Please forward this letter to your military intelligence agency. I believe this information will be of great value to your nation. This is not a hoax. And Keith... What really, really threw me off about this initially was not just the fact that the foreign nation was like, we're giving this back to the government, let them deal with it. But that I deal frequently with having to worry about a nation state recruiting U.S. people to betray their country. Here, our traders voluntarily were selling out their country. And I found that to be the most disturbing part of this whole case. Yeah, and... It also didn't. It didn't seem like they sold out for much either. For yeah, we'll get to that. I mean, it was more than eleven thousand dollars in gift cards, so that's that's something to think about. <laughs> yeah. All right. So when the FBI receives this package, they don't just read it and say, "Oh, this is the information." They analyze it. So one of the first things they looked at is when was it sent, and it was sent on April first, twenty twenty, which either could be you know April first, maybe it's an April Fool's joke. I don't know, but April to December. So we're talking about December when the FBI receives this package. That's a good eight month gap. So this country, let's say they didn't even look at it for a month. That's still a seven month gap that they have this information over there. So maybe they looked at it deeply. Maybe they didn't. Who knows? But at the end of the day, they ended up giving it to the FBI. So now the FBI can um, uh, communicate directly with the criminals. So in this package, there's an SD card, and if you're not familiar with the SD card, it, it's just, um, oh, I don't happen to have one on me, but I do have this little SIM card that I'll put up to my camera here. It kind of looks like one of these, a very little computer chip looking thing, and I'm doing that for our video people, but it's a storage mechanism, and you could put anything on there, just like a hard drive, and... Um, what the FBI found on there was three encryption keys and like, all right, well, the encryption keys, one was to Alice Hill and that was a public key to Alice Hill. Bob Burns has a private key on there. And then there's a proton mail public key. Now I got to explain to you what these things mean. 
first of all, I use names. I use Alice Hill, Bob Burns. I've taken a lot of cryptography courses. That's what I've done in my you know, educational background. And you always have these standard names of Alice and Bob on cryptography. So it's almost like, it's almost cringy that they're, the traders are using these names. It's just kind of like, I don't know, tongue in cheek, funny or something. But, um, Alice has a public key on there, which basically means, um, how can I say this? Uh, it's the information that the FBI or what they think is the foreign country will use to encrypt information sent to Alice or the traders. Bob Burns' private key basically allows the FBI or the quote-unquote foreign country to decrypt messages that are sent from the traders. And then there's this Proton public key, which is the email encryption that we talked about earlier. So it's these it's this suite of keys that they have for the traders and what the traders think is this foreign nation, but it's actually just the FBI communicating back and forth with them. And one other thing that the FBI found when they did analysis on this little card, they found that it was plugged in one point to a Macintosh operating system. So like a MacBook Pro or something along those lines. I imagine it probably wasn't like an iPad or an iPhone because that would, they'd probably say like an iOS operating system. So it's probably plugged into like a desktop or a laptop. Okay, so we know six days later, right after Christmas, on December 26, 2020, the FBI responded to Alice. They, they reached out to Alice on Proton Mail. And again, the FBI is pretending to be this foreign country. And uh, they, this is one of several emails to Alice on Proton Mail. Um, and they, the Proton Mail utilized the account pseudonym Bob. Which is interesting because, as Keith says, I mean, that should always be a flag that it's not really somebody named Bob, but maybe that's also understood that the foreign nation would go with that denomination. I don't know. The email states, we received your letter. We want to work with you. It has been many months, so we need to know if you are still out here, there. Please respond to this message. Then we will provide instruction on how to proceed. So basically, the FBI was just trying to see if the bad guys were still even out there to catch, right? And um, we'll see how that goes. Well, let's see. It is. So Seth just talked to you about December 26, 2020. So right after you got it. Let me set a stage. A couple of things I don't think we mentioned here. So COVID happened that year, but also there's no wars going on. Like when we're talking to you now, there's the Russia war going on. So things were a little different back then on the communications going back and forth. I think. I think this probably made a bigger deal now, depending on which um, uh, country they were talking to. But I see, I thought, I'll just say it, I, th I, th I thought it was Russia. Seth thought it was China, but we don't really know who it was. But Alice replies on um, February 10th of 2021. So this is still been pre-war because war was what, 20, uh, 2022. So things were yeah. still kind of normal in the world at this point. So on February 10th, 2021, Alice, who's the traders, and we don't know if it's the husband or the wife, but I imagine it's one of them, um, says, thank you for contacting me. I am still here. The COVID disease has made it more difficult to find chances to check this email. Let's discuss how to proceed. And you can read into that a few different ways. First of all, I imagine 
the wife sitting behind a key, uh, keyboard somewhere writing this, so she's got the laugh going. <laughs> but when she say there's, you know, difficult to find chances to check this email, she's not obviously checking it on her phone or checking it on her home computer where it's super simple. So you imagine she's probably going to like a Starbucks or a library or something somewhere where, you know, they have to go through a process in order to, to, to check this. So the FBI took their sweet time to respond here, but in late February they did. And again, an FBI agent acting as an undercover, right? So they were basically, you know, impersonating the, the foreign country here. Not basically, we're impersonating the foreign country. States, we understand the delay and hope you are well. Our experts review the information you provided. We would like as sample your, and they're referring to the U.S. Naval Information, specific sections, which was denoted in the court documents. We have a trusted friend in your country who has a gift for you to compensate for your efforts. So again, this is the government saying, not only are we going to the government, this is the FBI representing the foreign nation or as a foreign nation, they were not representing them, playing the foreign nation saying, we want to work with you and we're going to give you some money because we clearly understand that you're not just doing this for political reasons. So let's see what Alice responds with. Alice the traitor, by the way. Yeah, so this is March 5th. So she took a couple of weeks to respond. And we have Alice saying, I am uncomfortable with this arrangement. Face-to-face meetings are very risky for me, as I am sure you understand. I propose exchanging gifts electronically for mutual safety. I can upload documents to a secure cloud storage account encrypted with the key I have provided you. You can send me a suitable gift in Monero cryptocurrency to an address, an address I will provide. And we... I believe we talked about Monero uh, in episode one-ish or so when we were talking about cryptocurrencies. But anyways, back to the letter. It says, 100,000 U.S. dollars should be enough to prove to me that you are not an unwelcome third party looking to make trouble for me. When I have confirmed receipt of your gift, I will provide you the download link. We are both protected. I I understand this is a large request, However, please remember I am risking my life for your benefit and I have taken the first step. Please help me trust you fully. So, yeah, there's a lot one, to take in on that. Yeah, I mean, so a part of me, I think 100 grand is low to sell out your country. But at the same time, it sounds like um, the idea was to do this over a period of time and, you know, figured you know, chunks of money over the course of two to three years or whatever Alice and her husband had in mind here. Um, but I was a little surprised by that number. I mean, assuming you dealing with the foreign government, they usually, I think, you know, maybe a hundred grand is easier to get by than a million or 10 million because I guess it has less oversight. I don't know, but I would have thought it would be more money involved. Yeah. And there's a, okay. So I like to look at these cases from the criminal standpoint and you know, the, investigator standpoint when i when i put myself in the criminal shoes here there's they're very much screaming i'm i don't want to meet face to face because i'm going to get caught now you will see in most of these i've done a lot of research on cases like this and you will see a common thread here is law enforcement going well we still want to meet face to face when they're pretending to be the you know informant or criminal so 
as we go through these episodes, not just this one, but you know, future episodes, and even look back at some of our episodes, investigators always want to get the criminals to some physical meeting spot so they can prove who it is and or they want to get the money flowing to some spot where they can serve a search warrant and get identifying information like Coinbase and all the previous episodes we've talked about up until now. So you're going to see this. You see me saying it now of I don't want to meet face to face. And then you're going to see what actually happens in this case, which is kind of mind blowing. Right. So a couple weeks goes by. Now we're, I think it was two weeks. So now we're March 18th of 21, where the FBI responds back to Alice. So again, the undercover representative of Country One wrote, we understand a face-to-face meeting would be uncomfortable. We suggest a neutral drop location. When you visit the location alone, you retrieve a gift and leave behind the sample we request. We hope you have. A, we hope to have a very long friendship that benefits mutually. I like that their English isn't great. <laughs> An idea that it might be more, I guess, uh, digestible to someone who thinks we're dealing with a foreign nation. Yeah, there's probably some FBI agents in the back room going, "Oh, this this grammar's." It works is too good, too good. We're gonna have to mess this up. Right. So. Pull a couple of pronouns here, make it easier. So Alice replies, and Seth and I have talked about this uh prior to starting this episode, and it's this is an interesting case and we have all the communication. And so we're gonna read you the parts that are new and different, and we're gonna try to skip over the parts that you've heard before because who wants to hear us saying the same things over and over and over? So just be prepared for that because we're gonna get into a lot more communication as they negotiate this whole trade of nuclear secrets. So now we're in March 22 of 21. So this is just a few days, maybe a weekish after the FBI replied. And Alice says, I understand your proposal to start a dead drop. Okay. If you don't know what a dead drop is, it's spy lingo for basically one side leaves something for the other side. And sometimes the other side leaves something for the original side. So if I were going to sell some secrets to Seth, I might take my secrets to a park and leave them on a bench. That would be a dead drop. And then Seth would go there. He'd find my my information that I left for him. He'd pick it up and possibly even leave me a briefcase of money somewhere that I could go back and pick up. That would be what a dead drop is if you've never heard of this. So when they're talking about this, this is... Why am I telling you this? It's a physical meeting location. They don't have to do this, but law enforcement's trying to get them to do this to figure out who they are because if this was done with the original foreign nation, it would probably just be done all online and nobody would have ever, ever have met and they would have gotten their money and it just would have kept going. So with that background, she says, I understand your proposal to start a dead drop. I'm concerned that using a dead drop location your friend prepares makes me very vulnerable. If other interested parties are observing the location, I will be unable to detect them. I am not a professional, and I do not have a team supporting me. I am also concerned that a physical gift would be very difficult to explain if I am questioned. For now, I must consider the possibility that you are not the person I hope you are. It would be very easy for the serial numbers of the bills to be recorded. Tracking devices and other nasty surprises must be considered as well. I propose to modify your plan in the following ways. I will place a sample you requested on a memory card and place it in a drop location of my choosing. I am not a professional, and I am sure that publicly available information on this subject is incomplete. Oh, God, wait until you hear the, what they use. This is so funny. 
So back to the email. It says, the sample will be encrypted using GPGP, which is an open source. PGP stands for pretty good privacy. It's an encryption, it's an encryption suite standard. of yeah. of tools and, and a standard, too. So it's using the symmetric encryption with a randomly generated passphrase. And for those who care, symmetric encryption is different than asymmetric encryption in that both sides know what the password is. Asymmetric is the whole public key, private key that we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast. It's just two different types of encryption. One's a little more sophisticated than the other. Um, and that's really all you need to know for this case. And then she goes on to say, I will tell you the location, how to find the card. <laughs> and it's great. Trust me. I will also give you a Monero address. That's the cryptocurrency address. So think of it. If you have not, haven't heard of Monero before, it's just, it's like a competitor to Bitcoin. This form of gift protects both of us very well. I am very aware of the risks of blockchain analysis. Ding, ding. We've talked about this in so many episodes. So she says, I'm very aware of the risk of blockchain analysis of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies and believe Monero gives both of us excellent deniability. So they did the research and she goes on to say, I, once I confirm receipt of my gift, I will give you the passphrase. The passphrase goes back to symmetric encryption that I just talked about. That's where both of you know what the passphrase is and you don't have this public key, private key encryption stuff. If this flew over your head, don't worry. I will update our glossary with encryption terminology so you can listen to this and hopefully understand it a little better. Uh, let's see. She goes on to say, the decryption key will be different each time. No patterns for third parties to observe. The only Electronic footprints will be proton-to-proton -proton emails, so there will be less risk of encrypted traffic being collected for future analysis by third parties. That part is not perfect. Perhaps as our friendship develops, we will change address periodically, asking a question. Okay, so, so there's a lot what to she doesn't here. A what she doesn't to understand here. in all this, like she's going on and on and on and on and on about like, I'm trying to protect myself and so forth, but she's missing the big point of not verifying who the other party is. So all these encryption techniques and all these things that we're explaining to you, if you didn't understand them, fine. You don't need to know it because in this case, the FBI is communicating directly with the criminal and doesn't need to decrypt anything. But for you curious people, what this is saying is they're going to great lengths to try to encrypt and hide what it is they're doing to hide from people like the FBI when, in fact, they're just talking to the FBI. Yeah. Why don't you unpack? The other thing that struck me, a couple of things struck me about this. One, like there's no ability here for her to be like, I didn't know what I was doing or I was being talked into it or I was being coerced. Like she's actively trying to get away with this crime and clearly has done some basic Googling searching, assuming that her background in teaching is limited to elementary education uh, and basically, you know, dealing with some... Uh, you know, cyber related. Uh, well, she says she's Google crime. searching. Yeah. <laughs> she says so, it in the email. <laughs> so and again, we're is. making the assumption here. I, and this is a big assumption. We don't know this. The assumption we're making, and I'll explain at the very end of the episode why we're making the assumption, is that the husband was just the mule. 
the husband was just the guy that happened to work at the Naval Academy who happened to have access to the highly confidential information and that the wife was doing all the actual communications. And we're making those assumptions uh, for a couple reasons that are not really relevant here. And I could be totally wrong on it. It could have been that she was just along for the ride and he was the mastermind. I don't think that's the case. And I'm not saying she was the mastermind. We don't know. But we are making some assumptions here. Um, yeah. And the other thing that struck me is as our friendship develops. So that immediately says to me she was anticipating this being a longer term thing, not a one and done transaction. But um, yeah, let, let's move on because it kind of blows up from here. So that was in late March. Now we go a week later to April Fool's Day. That's irrelevant to the case. April 1st, where the FBI replies back to Alice. And they write. That's my Casey Kasem reference. Um, for those of you who don't know Casey Kasem is, you can Google it. Um, okay. Alice. Well, sorry. They respond to Alice. We understand your concern and appreciate the thoughtful plan. As a sign of good faith and trust, we wish to pay you the equivalent of 10000 USD, not 100000 immediately on Monero to address you provide. Drop locations are safest and allow us to make exchanges without coming in contact and, of course, leave no electronic footprint. Your proposed method of memory card with encryption passphrases is acceptable. For the small sample we requested, you will receive another $20,000. So they're saying, we're not going to give you 100 but we're going to give you 30000 Once you confirm the Monero address, that's the cryptocurrency she requested, we will activate payment. Our next step will be information on the drop location we have selected. This method, excuse me, this method will build trust between us for a larger transaction in the future. Thus, they're realizing the FBI that she wants to do a long term here. So they're kind of assuaging that our experts are interested in information you have, but we insist on maintaining our discretion and security as a priority. So what did Alice respond to with that? Well, first of all, the grammar got a lot better in this. The FBI grammar got response. a lot better. The foreign country <laughs> definitely got a lot more uh uh, experience in speaking English for sure. So um, about eight days later on April 9th, 2021, Alice, the traders reply, I'm sorry to be so stubborn and untrusting, but I cannot agree to go to location of your choosing. I must consider the possibility that I am communicating with an adversary who has intercepted my first message and is attempting to expose me. So it never occurred to her that she actually could have been talking to law enforcement, which I yeah, also she, she, I think she thinks it's another like another country. You know, right. if, if she's talking to Russia, she might think it's like China or something. Um, she says, and I say she in the general Alice sense here. We don't know for sure. Right. Again, true, we don't but, know who's running lead here, but we have an, we'll tell you why we have an assumption on that at the end. So she goes on to say we was not. <laughs> I love how they talk. They try to talk to sound, sound so intellectual. Would not such an adversary wish me to go to a place of his choosing, knowing that an amateur will be unlikely to detect his surveillance? If you insist on my physically delivering the package, then it must be a place of my choosing. I ask you to consider the viability of an electronic dead drop. I can establish an encrypted online storage account with my without providing any identifying information and without provoking any suspicion other than possibly occurs to me, I'm sorry, she says, another possibility occurs to me. Is there some physical signal you can make that proves your identity to me? I got to pause for a second here. This, this was the point in the case where I read it and I went, oh my fucking God, this was fucking genius. 
Yeah, this was pretty slick. <laughs> this is this is this is why I went. She. This is where the FBI just would like. They they were like, hold my beer. We can do this. So, Alice says, "Is there some physical sign you can make that proves your identity to me?" I could plan a visit to Washington, D.C. over the Memorial Day weekend. Now, if you're not from my area, Annapolis is about 30 miles-ish south of Baltimore. Okay, so Baltimore is north. Annapolis is south. It's our capital of Maryland. And it's about 30 miles east of Washington, D.C. So the three cities are basically a uh, right, like a right-angle triangle. And that's sort of our metropolitan center. So when when he's or when she's, Alice is suggesting a sign in Washington, D.C. This is not a far drive for them. You know, it's 30 miles in driving time in D.C. It's like hour, maybe an hour and a half with really bad traffic. So it's a local drive. So at this point, the FBI can start to kind of put a little fence around where their traders might be. It's going to be probably in the D.C.-ish area. And you're going to see there's other cities that they start popping up with that'll kind of fence it in a little further. So... um, she goes on to say, I could plan a visit to Washington, D.C. over Memorial Day weekend. I would just be another tourist in the crowd. Perhaps you could fly a signal flag on your roof. Something easily observable from the street, but nothing to arouse an adversary's suspicion. So I'm envisioning like a Russian or Chinese embassy that Alice, the trader, is going to go sightseeing and drive by or ride her bike by and go, Hey, that special flag that I saw is up there. So it must be this country that I'm talking to. Okay. So now you got to think, Oh shit. How's the FBI going to pull this one off? Right. Well, again, we're not going to read every court bit, but I'm going to read this one because this is a couple weeks later. So the end of April, the 23rd of uh, 2021, the FBI replies here and the reply is artful. Uh, and I'm going to read it cause it's great. So they write, You do not need to apologize. We appreciate you being careful. That is much better than someone reckless. Your thoughtful plans indicate you are not amateur. This relationship requires mutual comfort. There is risk on both sides, and we understand your need for safety assurance of who you are communicating with. So as you suggest, we can accommodate a signal in Washington, D.C. over the Memorial Day weekend. So I'm going to pause for a second. So for those of you who have not been to D.C., there is a whole bunch of different buildings that are operating in the D.C. area that may not be owned by the United States. There's Embassy Row, where obviously there's different foreign nations that have a, you know, and I think that's kind of where she was going with this, with basically saying, hey, if you're country X, I'm going to pass by that embassy. I want to see a flag or some other thing that would normally not really raise any suspicion, but lets me know that you and I are like this, right? So as you suggest, we can accommodate a signal in Washington, D.C. over more of the weekend. We will set a signal from our main building observable from the street. It will bring you comfort with signal on display. This is where their English isn't great again. Um, from area inside our property that we control and not an adversary. If you agree, please acknowledge. We will then provide more instruction about the signal. We hope this plan will continue to build necessary trust and comfort for, of our identities. So what actually has to happen here is the FBI had to reach out to this foreign nation who ostensibly is not a great foreign friend of ours. If someone's willing to sell them our secrets, said, listen, we're trying to capture some bad guys that you kind of flipped over to us. We need you to plant a flag or whatever it is they did. And they agreed to do it. Yeah. And this is the point I've, in, in my mind, this is the point where the traders were like, 
Cha-ching. I was waiting for the cha-ching. <laughs> it was like, that. it's the foreign country. Because, I mean, to layman, if you're able to change, if it's, you know, a, an adversarial country and you change a flag, that's got to be not the FBI or any other country, right? Like, I, I saw this and I was like, this is this is the thing in this case that's just the craziest thing. Then again, when you go to Harry Potter World and you buy the special magic wand, then you wave it and then something happens. You might think you're actually magical. But that being said, uh, Alice, and, Alice bought it and her husband, assuming that's who we're talking about. So, Keith, tell us what happens in early May. Yeah, so early May, and I'm not going to read it for you. She basically just says, hey, I'm going to be at the Capitol over Memorial Day weekend. I'll be looking for this. Signal, signal that I can see from the road. I'm going to either be on a bike, car, or bus. So just keep a, make that part of your plan that I can see it from the road. Right. And then, again, notice the time frame. It's never a next day response. It's always a couple of days. So this was May 5th to May 17th. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that you know, girl or guy that you're you're trying to woo, and you're like, man, I really want to send this now. I really want to send this now, but I got to wait a couple of days. Well, it doesn't look I'm, like I'm super excited. <laughs> So on May 17th, they replied and essentially agreed to it. And so we know that during the weekend of May 29th and 30th, Memorial Day weekend in 2021, the FBI conducted an operation in the D.C. area that involved placing a signal at a location associated with Country One in an attempted effort, uh, in an attempted effort to gain bona fides with Alice. That's directly from the court documents. So they held their beer and they uh, were able to set up some kind of signal to give comfort to Alice that this was a legit transaction for her. Yeah. And I, man, what had to happen behind the scenes to make that happen? I, I wish I could have. Oh, must've been read. That's a fantastic episode of TV for sure. Cause it, it, it probably involved, you know, tons of lawyers and agencies and all sorts of shit that we just don't see in the court paperwork. So on, um, Memorial Day weekend, so it's uh, May 31st, 2021. FBI receives a message from Alice, and she says, I'm comfortable telling you your assumption that Pittsburgh would be a convenient location for me is incorrect. For now, I can tell you I am located near Baltimore, Maryland. So let's pause there. That's already a big, big thing. So immediately, that's just really, really giving the FBI a much. At this point, they don't know who it is, right? So now they know that it's a local person. Uh, local so, to the D.C. area anyway. I mean, if you want to connect the dots, they've used D.C. and Baltimore. And if I'm thinking, okay, how is this person trying to throw me off the loop? What other cities are between D.C. and Baltimore? Well, there's Annapolis, the only other city that's there that they haven't used in this yet. Right. Maybe we should check that one out. And by the way, I mean, you know, I'm not giving anything away when I say the uh, FBI did transmit funds. To Monero, and as we've seen in prior cases, once you have accepted money in crypto, there are various methodologies to follow that chain and find the uh, the account owner, no matter how laundered it is. Now, I agree that crypto, uh, you know, cryptocurrency investigators, you know, tend to look at the more common ones like, uh, you know, Bitcoin much more. Maybe that's why they use Monero. But anyway, they didn't even need to get that far, and we'll understand why. Yeah. So um, let's see. So she doesn't really say anything important after that. She just says, um, you know, once I get the information, I'll give you the Monero addresses. It's all kind of a repeat of what Seth and I have talked about up until this point. So now we have a time range between June 4th and June 17th, 2021. And 
there was a Monero payment and the um, it was a payment of $10,000 for a quote unquote sign of good faith and trust. So I assume Alice thought there was more money coming later on. Well, Maybe that's clear. why Alice didn't ask for the money. The FBI posing as whatever bad guy country said, we'd like to give you some money as a sign of good faith. And by accepting it, she definitely then implicated her further in the crime. Alice goes on to say, for maximum security, it's very important you do not send Monero to the same address twice. There's, she may have read something online about this. And we've seen in prior episodes that sending money around even once provides some information. So I'm not really 100% sure where she's going with this because she doesn't really explain it. But we're leading up to the transfer of the actual information, which is fantastic. Yeah. And um, she says, I place it encrypted on a memory card along with with the address for the second payment you offered in a plain text file. And once you pay me, I will give you the decryption passphrase. That was a symmetric encryption that we talked about earlier. And says, and this is key, I am also excited to continue our relationship. Right. And then they gave her another 10000 So they've now given her $20,000 in, in Monero. Okay. So now we are, looks like, a day oh, after that. This is great. That, this right, is great. The this day is my favorite after part. that last $10,000 payment, June 18th through June 26th, this is the dead drop. And this happens in Jefferson County, West Virginia. So the court docs read that the UC, posing as representative of Country One, emailed Alice to provide detailed instructions on servicing a dead drop location in Jefferson County, West Virginia, to occur on June 26th, the following week. The UC discussed instructions regarding the next payment to Alice, as well as additional assurances, assurance rather, that Alice would be paid 20000 upon the sample verification and authenticity of the information provided at the drop. And Alice said, I understand, and I am ready to move forward. So it's on. So let's yeah, talk about is. the drop, because this is, it gets really good. Um, Keith, I'll do this one, then you do the next one, okay? So yeah, this is and, the uh, first good time. Luck. I'll that? say good luck trying to pronounce that last name. I think it's Tobe. That's yeah, how so I've always done it this is the first time head. we actually get the real names of the, uh, the traders here. So on the drop date, June 26th, at approximately 10.41 a.m., the FBI observed Mr. Jonathan Tobe, that's T-O-E-B-B-E, I'm taking a guess here at his spelling, I'm going to go with Tobe, physically service a dead drop location in Jefferson County, West Virginia. Records show that Jonathan Tobe is a government employee working as a nuclear engineer for the U.S. Navy and holds an active top-secret clearance through the United States Department of Defense and an active Q clearance from the United States Department of Energy. I'm not familiar with the Q clearance. I assume it relates to nuclear energy. I will tell you, I do have friends in this space, and I know that top secret and Q... Okay, so there's secret, which it's not easy to get, but it's the easiest one to get. And then there's top secret, which is the next one, which is harder to get. And then there's this, like, I think it's called, like, SCI, where specialized compartmentalized, which is even higher than top secret. And then there's Q, which is, so that was the department of defense that I just talked about. There's Q, which is department of energy. And as I understand it, Q is one of the higher department of energy ones, like in the top secret SCI realm, if you were to compare it to the department of defense, it's just 
these organizations, they all have their own types of clearances and they name them different things and so forth. So if you want to take anything away from this, what this is saying is they're both really high clearances and he has access to stuff that foreign nations should not have access to. Right. So I'll Keith, I'll let you run the next one. Uh, but we see this kind of repeatedly. This is now when we implement, implement implicate rather, uh, Jonathan's wife, Diana, the teacher, who we think, as in Keith and I, has actually been Alice the whole time, but we could be wrong. Um, Keith, this one might be worth reading from the court docs just because it gives an idea of how the actual drop occurred. Yeah, absolutely. So there, this is still the Jeff- Jefferson County, West Virginia drop. So the FBI observed Jonathan Tobe, his spouse, Diana Tobe, standing approximately one meter away from Jonathan Tobe during the servicing of the dead job location. They're saying that because they're saying they're both involved with this. Right. Based on my experience and training, it appeared that Diana assisted Jonathan during the dead drop operation. Diana appeared to act as a lookout for Jonathan during the drop and survey the surrounding area. Got it. I just imagine. So he's just, like he's doing, he's doing something under the bench or something, and she's just kind of like bat his back to her back and kind of looking around, looking suspicious. All right, it goes on to say, thereafter... Diana signaled to Jonathan to proceed on a trail after Jonathan completed the drop. Records show that Diana is a faculty member in the humanities teacher in Annapolis, Maryland, at this private school that I told you about earlier. They both reside in Annapolis, Maryland. So let's see. Following the servicing of the dead drop, Jonathan and Diana Diana were observed walking through the more populated area near the location of the dead drop. It appears that so the FBI agent says it appears through his training that they were then trying to look for they they were conducting surveillance detection routes, meaning they were moving in a way to attempt to detect whether or not somebody were looking for them. So what happened? Jonathan's there doing this dead drop. They're meeting up physically when they didn't want to. The FBI tricked him into it. They're doing the dead drop. Diana's kind of sitting there with her, her back to his back, looking around, seeing if anybody's eyeballing them. The FBI is probably way far away looking through binoculars. They finish the dead drop. They go walk down a trail, Diana and and Jonathan, and then they kind of loiter around in the area to see, hey, is anybody going to come pick this up or is anybody watching us? For the listeners who are wondering, well, wait a second. What does a dead drop mean? Like, how? what was their method of delivering the information? Well, this might be the funniest slide we have in our 12-episode history here. Uh, Keith, you want to take this one? You, you did the harder work. <laughs> sure, if you want. So they, um, uh, let's see. So they were loitering around there for about an hour yeah, and a half, from 9.45 in the morning to about 11.22 in the morning. And the FBI observed the vehicle registered to Jonathan in the parking lot. Um, but let's discuss what the FBI actually picked up. What does a dead drop mean? It means they left something, the bad guys, the traitors, and the FBI, somebody picked it up. What did they pick up? So the FBI picked up what the traders left, and it was a 16-gigabyte SanDisk card. And this is the part where I just kept chuckling. The card was wrapped in plastic and placed between two slices of bread on a half of a peanut butter sandwich. The half a sandwich was housed inside a plastic bag. So I just sat there, and I had to let that sink in for a minute. And I was like, all right, well, first of all, Thank God they didn't mess up the card, right? Because it was stuck in food. <laughs> Second of all, 
thank God somebody else didn't walk up and go, hey, what the hell is this thing? And either pick it up and eat it. Or a dog, or dog would have smelled it and gotten to it. Or, yeah, or a dog. Like, there's so many My ways dog would have gone sideways. It, no problem with the bag. And you know, you know this couple was online Googling shit going, what's the best dead drop we can? They could literally just tape this goddamn card underneath a bench and nobody would have thought twice about it. But they had to stick it in a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> This is this is like total, you know, spy versus spy googling stuff. There's no way like spies. I I can't imagine a real spy would do this. Indeed. So, um, two days later, after the dead drop, which was June 26th, the 28th, Alice did reply back uh, via Proton Mail, and they provide she provided the Monero address for payment. And on that same day, the FBI did electronically pay Alice. $20,000 USD in Monero. So they got paid. Now, I would argue they should have gotten paid a lot more for their efforts since it was all going to come crumbling down anyway, but what do I know? But the next day, the FBI analyzed the SD card. And Keith, what did they find? Well, they analyzed it just like the, remember at the beginning of this episode, I said they analyzed the SD card. They had a one at the beginning. So they basically did the same analysis on it again. And when they opened it up and they did the decryption on there and they looked at the files, they figured out that the files were real. They were U.S. Navy subject matter classified information on there. They determined that multiple documents on there contain restricted data. They, Which is a different classification than top secret. Yeah. And I, I, think, I think it's lower, but it's I, I don't lower. have clearance, so don't, <laughs> don't quote me on that. It is lower. Um, but specifically, the U.S. Navy expert that looked at this determined that documents were military-sensitive design documents, including things like parameters and performance characteristics of Virginia-class submarine reactors. So this is not like, you know, a tiny little widget. They're, these are nuclear secrets of nuclear submarines for the United States Navy. Yeah, so we're getting towards the end of part one here. Uh, the FBI continues to analyze the card, and on the card was an actual long-typed message from Alice. And I don't need to read all of it, but basically it was a long miss about she hopes that her experts, their experts, were happy with what was provided. Most of the material is similar in format, multiple pages per sheet, drafted drawings are split. Uh, I expect your new communications instructions will be just as clear and safe as your drop instructions. I suggest you continue to monitor your proton until I'm able to establish contact with your new method. Yours truly, Alice. If it is ever necessary to proton you again, I will end the email with, sincerely, Alice. That's going to be her signal. Um, uh, and for now, I propose to continue with uh, weekend exchanges. So she's now like, all right, good first drop. We're now going to establish some protocols for moving forward on this. Um, very, very interesting that she kind of got very formal with it. And in addition, the FBI analysis of the card showed that it contained metadata indicating that the card had been connected to a computer with the same version of Mac, uh, Mac OS operating system as the SD card. So that's a little bit of corroboration for them that there wasn't a third party involved, that it was basically the traders only here. Very, very interesting. So at this point, crime has definitely been attempted to have been committed and would have been carried out had the FBI not been operating the whole way here. But it was definitely digging a much, much deeper hole for the Tobes. 
Yeah, and she she does say, I mean, it, this long email, at the end, it basically implies that she wants to continue the relationship with this foreign nation. So with that, we're going to pause here because we don't want to run too long on each episode. This is part one. So this is leading up and part of the crime. And part two, we're going to talk about more crime, how they were caught, what happened to them, and so forth. So do you have any parting thoughts before we close out this episode? Um, really everybody should go watch that movie Burn After Reading Uh, it it is very very parallel it's goofy Um, but the underside of this you know aside from the laughs are it is kind of scary that you know uh, what would appear to be an upstanding group of citizens right a nuclear engineer a a teacher at a private school I'm sure it's a fairly fancy one given that it's Annapolis would be so eager to be traitors, you know, and to, uh, you know, uh, really, really turn off, turn their backs on their country for a hundred grand. I mean, 30 grand. I don't know. I found that to be very disturbing. Um, you know, the cynic in me believes this may be happening a lot more. Um, the hopeful person thinks it's hope it happening a lot less, but, um, it, it was just interesting how quickly, how easily they were turned over by the foreign government who might've been like, you know what, this is not worth our time. Let's have some fun and let the FBI enjoy this. And I'm sure the FBI, for them, you know, this was equally amusing and disturbing at the same time because it was fairly easy prey. But uh, I do find the underside of this to be really disappointing that uh, our own, what would appear to be upstanding citizens are so eager to sell us out. Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, this whole time it's this married couple that are the traitors in here and I, I had to save this for last, Seth, but I had to go back to one thing you said in one of our prior episodes, and this is all I could think about their their uh, their relationship. Sorry, I'm upside down. That's some domestic bullshit right there. <laughs> so I hope we enticed you enough to come back for episode or part two of this episode where we talk more about the crimes they committed in this case and how they were caught and what happened to them. So thanks for staying and sticking around, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.